gonna come read it. Good evening. Uh, Scott told me to bring a kid up, and the closest thing I could find was my iPhone. <laughs> and if you're going to be using your phone to check the cricket during the sermon, uh, Australia's none for 111, so we're on course to win. Uh, the Bible reading today is from Ephesians chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 3 to 14. So from verse 3, it says, Praise be... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, Oops. in accordance with the riches of God's glorious grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in, in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can come and gather together and, and sit under your word. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to, to read your word today, that you'll speak to us through your word and that you'll challenge us to live lives for you and you alone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a very interesting Matt C teacher in high school. In the first lesson and through the year, he'd come and say to us as a class, In this room, I am God. In this room, you praise and worship me. Obviously, he was joking. But I sometimes wondered, why should we praise him? What should we praise him for? There wasn't much to praise my math teacher for. I mean, he was a good math teacher. But as you can tell, he was just a tad arrogant. In fact, he failed 90% of the class in one exam. And he was known for giving people the one-fingered salute. There was not much to praise him for, really. But if we think about these questions on a serious note, we could ask the same questions about our God. Tonight, I want to begin by asking the question, why do we praise God? What do we praise God for? As we begin this new year, what will you praise God for in 2014? 
Will it be passing an exam or, uh, in school or uni? Will it be getting a job or promotion at work? Or just having a job to pay the bills? Will it be the five-zip whitewash in the ashes? Will it be seeing the Maroons getting their inevitable nine-peat this year? Will it be buying your first home? Paying off the loan on your first home? Safety in travels? Getting an iPhone 6 on launch day? Seeing the end of The Hobbit, possibly the most drawn-out movie of all time? Surviving a life-threatening disease? Getting married? Having your first or your fourth kid? What do we praise God for? What will you praise God for in 2014? Tonight I was asked to produce my best sermon ever. But since I was so spoiled for choice, I decided instead to choose a passage that's really impacted me as a follower of Christ. Many times I've read this passage and I'm left awestruck, humbled, lost for words, and just driven to praise God. Some people think this passage is a song, a benediction, a poem, or a creed. But in the original language, we do know that this passage is one long, complex sentence of 202 Greek words. So imagine those times you're texting or writing away, and you just get lost in what you're saying. You forget full stops, and you're left with one huge sentence. Uh, at preaching class in college, uh, we were measuring how many words we could speak in a minute. And our new student in training for ministry was in a competitive mood, and he decided he wanted to break the world record for the most words per minute. So full stops and breathing, they went out the window. He even beat all the girls by clocking over 250 words per minute. John Stott illustrates this by saying that Paul neither pauses for breath nor punctuates his words with full stops. Other commentators describe this passage as a golden chain of many links, a snowball tumbling down a hill, picking up volume as it descends. One that I found amusing was someone said that it's possibly the most monstrous sentence conglomeration ever found in the Greek language. I think this sentence is purposely written this way because it brings us and drives us to a place of awe, to a place of praising God. And this is exactly what this passage is on about. It starts with a call in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it ends with the same words, to the praise of his glory. And punctuated throughout the passage, we find rings of praise in verse 6 and 12, to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glory. As I begin to read this passage, I'm always asking myself the question, what do I praise God for? What can I praise God for? As we look at this passage tonight, these are the questions that we're going to answer. The way I break down this passage is that verse 3, if you read, is like a heading statement that summarizes the scope of praise, while verses 4 to 14, it lists out the reasons for praise. So let's have a look at this heading statement in verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What do we praise God for? 
It's for every spiritual blessing he's given us through Jesus. This is what Paul is praising God for here. Paul's not talking about material blessings. He's not talking about the day-to-day physical blessings. Paul gets to the heart, to the center of Christian praise. And it's about spiritual blessings. What's given from God through the Spirit. Blessings that are about our relationship with God. And it's all given to us as we read on in Christ. You see the term in Christ, it pops up more than 40 times through the book of Ephesians. And in this passage alone, we find it more than eight times. So alongside this chorus of praise God, praise God, praise God, we hear the repeat in Christ, in Him, in Jesus. What do we praise God for? What do you praise God for? Let me suggest that we don't praise God just because He's God. It's true, but it's not enough. It doesn't give us the full picture of why we praise God. In fact, Scripture always gives us reasons to praise God. And this is the scope of praise. We praise God for every spiritual blessing that He's given us in Christ. Is this what you praise God for, first and foremost? I went up to Tinkan Bay last week for some fishing, and after a few days, I found myself complaining to God. Where are the fish? Why are you giving us such bad luck? Why aren't you blessing us at all? But then I thought to myself, isn't it so easy to get distracted from what Christ has done for us and won for us? Isn't it so easy to get distracted? I call myself a Christian, yet I so easily stop praising God for what Christ has done for me. I so easily get sucked into the little things rather than staying at the center of praise. The spiritual blessings that's been given to us in Christ amidst everyday life, it becomes a bit ho-hum. It stops bringing us to awe. We don't see it as something to praise God for. As we begin 2014 and gear ourselves up for the new year, what will you praise God for? Yes, we should praise God for the highlights in the year. Yes, we should continue to praise God for the day-to-day physical blessings. But on top of all that, God's word gives us the scope, the center of praise. We praise God for every spiritual blessing he's given us in Christ. As we look ahead, the rest of this passage supports verse 3 by listing out and outlining in detail the reasons of praise. What do we praise God for? If we just cast our eyes down the passage, uh, we find that God has chosen us, adopted us, redeemed us. He's revealed his will to us. He's sealed us. We see the snowball tumbling down and down. All of these are done in Christ, through Christ, mediated by Christ. And because of all of this, we are left with nothing else but to praise God. So let's have a quick look at each of these. Firstly, God has chosen us in Christ. Verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. When we read of Abraham and Moses, at first, they weren't anything special. It wasn't through their devotion that they said, Hey God, I've got an idea. 
why don't we make a nation for you? And why don't you choose me to start this? It wasn't because of anything they did. In fact, it was God who comes and chooses them and lays his hands on them. With the disciples and with Paul, it wasn't because of anything they did. God chose them, and likewise, he chooses us. In primary school, we played sport, and we'd have two captains, and one of them would choose his team. I want you, 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 and you on my team. And spiritually, we're on a line heading for death and execution. In fact, we've all sinned, and we all say we hate God. But God still comes and says, I choose you. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it's because God chose you to be his. Some people might be uncomfortable with this truth. Haven't we chosen God? I think this statement flips the tables and shows us God's perspective in all this. And although we may never fully comprehend it all, we still see this marvelous truth. God chose you. He chose you to be his before the world even began. And he's made you holy and blameless in Christ. You see, we don't contribute anything to our salvation. I was speaking to this guy in the morning service, and he was talking to me about how he came to Christ. Uh, He tells me how, in hindsight, uh, he can see how God pursued him, how God was revealing himself to this guy, how God reached out to this guy in this almost irresistible way. And then for him, the penny dropped. Although he didn't understand it all, He says it was as if God chose him to be saved. So maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering if God has chosen you. You decide to rock up at church tonight. Is that God moving in your life? Maybe you've been curious about Christianity. Is God slowly revealing himself to you? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that God, your creator, has chosen you to be saved in Christ. If you're here tonight and you're full of Christ already, it's because God chose you to be saved. It's totally undeserved. We don't bring anything to the table. It's a marvelous, mind-blowing truth. The first reason that Paul gives to praise, God has chosen us in Christ. And then Paul moves on in verse 5 to say, In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus. God has adopted us through Christ. I don't know what it feels to be adopted, but the closest was when I was in Japan. My homestay parents took me in as if I was their son. They treated me in the same way as their other children. And the mum would say to the other friends, He is my son. God has adopted us in Christ. He takes us in as his sons and daughters. He treats us as holy and righteous, just like his son Jesus. And God proclaims to the angels and the demons concerning you. He says, he is my son. She is my daughter. The ancient idea of sonship meant that a son would be like their father in regards to their functionality or their work. So, If your father was a farmer, then you'd be a farmer. If your dad was a carpenter, then you'd be a carpenter, especially in Scott's case. 
We're adopted into God's family through Christ. God is holy, righteous, and blameless. And through Christ, as we're adopted as God's children, we also become holy, righteous, and blameless. For those of us who have great parents, that's just a taste of what it's like to be part of God's family. For those of us who may not have had great parents or our parents have passed away, knowing that you're a child of God would be a huge source of comfort. The second reason that Paul gives to praise, God has adopted us through Christ. You are part of God's family. As we move on to verse 7, it continues the reasons to praise God. The previous verses, they focused on the work of God the Father. He chose us and adopted us. And now we focus on the work of Christ himself. It says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. When I was a kid, uh, there used to be this deal on cereal boxes. You collect 10 tokens and uh, you redeem a sports cap. Uh, there's a price to pay in a transaction. That's the idea of being redeemed. When slaves are redeemed, a price is paid to free the slave. So in a spiritual sense, we're all enslaved by sin. We're all facing death. And we can't do anything to save ourselves. But here's why we should praise God. While we could do nothing, God the Son, or Christ Jesus, redeems us from the punishment of sin. Is this something that you'll praise God for this year? Not just in head knowledge, but overflowing from your heart. God frees us from the chains of death. And the price to pay isn't just a bit of money or a few tokens. The price paid is the blood of Jesus himself. The writer of Hebrews testifies to our redemption by saying, Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. It's the great transaction of all of history. It's all God's work. It's none of ours. And it's the third reason that Paul gives us to praise. God has redeemed us in Christ. The next reason of praise is found in verse 9 and 10, and it's this. God has revealed his will to us. Uh, over the past week, uh, I've been playing this board game about growing hotels and stock market shares, and I was introduced to this idea called insider trading. By the way, this idea is illegal, both in the game and in real life. But the idea of insider trading, if it was legal, it would be very advantageous. Basically, if you, if you have inside information of certain companies, you can invest in those companies accordingly and either save your cash or get filthy rich. In sport, if you know what play your opposition is going to make, then you're going to have an advantage in the game. So in verse 9, Paul says, God has made known to us the mystery of his will. God has revealed his will to us. His plan, what's going to happen in the future, how everything is going to end. And we find this plan in verse 10. It's to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
This is the final plan of God. This is checkmate. Just on a side note, uh, there are teachers who will use uh, this verse to claim the idea called universalism, that everyone's going to be saved on the last day. I would suggest that this is a very dangerous thought. When all things are united under Christ, he will still judge the living and the dead accordingly. God's revealed his will to bring all creation under Christ. Why is this advantageous to us? Why does it cause us to praise God? Well, I think it's because God's will and God's final plan shows us that Christ has won. Christ is now the head of the church, but one day he'll be the head of all things in heaven and on earth. This is the inside info that's been revealed to us by God. That's the way the universe is heading, and it allows us as Christians to live lives with full assurance of the future. Whether we're struggling, the pressures of family, work, ministry, we as followers of Christ can live our lives shaped by the future of eternity. We know that's been won by Christ. God's revealed his will to us. This is something to praise God for this year as we live our lives for him alone. The last reason that Paul gives us to praise God is that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. From verse 13 onwards, Paul shows how Gentiles, the Ephesians, and us today end up belonging to God. He says in verse 13, And you, Gentiles and Ephesians, were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. It's kind of like those parties where you get a UV stamp or a wristband to show that you belong to the group. Uh, in Revelations, uh, a seal or a mark is used to indicate ownership or belonging. But in this case, the seal is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells in us when we believe in Christ. It acts as a seal to show that we belong to God. And as we read verse 14, the seal acts as something more. It, sure, it shows a down payment of our eternal inheritance as God's children. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was selling a subwoofer on Gumtree. It's just some remnants of my past life. And one buyer responded to my ad and said, Hey, mate, I'd like to buy a sub. I can't pick it up right now, but I'll give you a 50% down payment to guarantee it. Uh, he, was assuring me that the he was assuring me of the future sale with a deposit to guarantee the product, to show that he's serious, that he's the real deal. And this is what God's done for us, multiplied to a cosmic scale. He's brought us through the blood of Christ. And with the Holy Spirit, he's showing us that he's serious, that he's the real deal, that the future is assured. What can we praise God for? He sealed us by the Spirit. God secured us. He's shown our belonging to God with the Spirit and guaranteed our future eternity. And then Paul wraps up this passage of praise appropriately. We're chosen, adopted, redeemed. We've had God's will revealed and our future sealed. And all of this is done for the praise of his glory, to give praise to God. 
So now, if we pick up the questions from the beginning, why do you praise God? What do you praise God for? As we begin this new year, what will you praise God for in 2014? Paul suggests to praise God for every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's chosen us in Christ, adopted us through Christ, redeemed us by the blood of Christ, revealed to us his will of a future under Christ, and, he's been, he, and we've been sealed by the Spirit as included in Christ. Blessing after blessing. As we finish tonight, let me leave you with a challenge for this year. Will you live this year praising God for every spiritual blessing he's given you in Christ? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's pray. We give you praise, Lord God, for all the blessings you've given us in Christ, that you've chose us from the beginning of time, that you've adopted us as sons and daughters, that you've redeemed us through the blood of Jesus, that you've revealed to us your will of a future with Christ as head and ruler, and that you've given us the Holy Spirit as a seal and guarantee of eternity. Lord, we have so much to give you praise for. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and continue to praise you for all the things that you've done for us through him. Hallelujah. All we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to finish, going to finish up tonight by singing that new song together. Um, and as Josh prayed, hallelujah, all we have is Christ. And if it wasn't for God loving us first, uh, we wouldn't love him. Because it's through his chasing us and his pursuing us that we can come to know him. So um, let's stand and sing and praise him.